is Mia Ferroletto, publisher of New Observations magazine, and I am delighted to have Rebecca Hardcastle-Wright as our guest today. Um, welcome, Rebecca. Thanks, Mia. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Rebecca is a leading expert on cosmic consciousness and ET contact. She is committed to building an exoconscious civilization co-created by humans, ETs, and multi multi-dimensional beings. Rebecca is the founder and director of the Institute for Exoconsciousness. She's the author of several books, including Exoconsciousness and The Exoconscious Human. She's currently working on her third book to be published this year and uh, will be exploring the role of the exoconscious humans in our future. Um, so delighted to have you here, Rebecca. Um, Thank you, and, and can't wait to jump into all these important issues. Where would you like to start? We can start with exoconscious humans because that's the focal point of my work. Perfect. What, what inspired you to write your first, first book, Exoconsciousness? I came up with the word, actually the word exoconsciousness was given to me um, back in the early 2000s. And um, I was, it was one of those drop-in moments, literally. Um, I define it kind of in that biblical sense where the word became flesh. I was, I was a single mom. I was raising my kids. And I was, I was working a full-time job and going to school. And um, so I had a lot on my plate. And I woke up one morning, and I just, you know how those old radio alarm clocks would go off and the music would play? And so uh -huh. I hit the snooze button. I reached over, hit the snooze button. I just thought, I remember distinctly thinking, oh, my golly, before I, like, pack all these lunches and get these kids off to school and go to work, like, I just need a moment. So I hit the snooze button, and my head fell back on the pillow. And that word, exoconsciousness, came into my body. It was like the word became flesh literally came in my body and um, sort of saturated me at a cellular level is the best way I can describe it. So I had been reading um, a lot of consciousness literature. I'd been an ET experiencer since childhood. I'd been going into other um, testimonies and witness reports of extraterrestrial experiencers. I'd been actually part of the, one of the longest-running experiencer groups in the nation in Fountain Hills, Arizona, where I lived. So I had, I had been um, literally saturated also just with all this information. And, and so that word was exoconsciousness was like a gestalt to me. It just brought everything together. And I knew, I knew from that point on that my work belonged in consciousness and and that um, I, I needed to stay that course, and that was one of the purposes of my life. Um, interestingly enough, in 1997 was the Phoenix Lights event where the, uh, the large, possibly mile-wide craft flew over Phoenix, Arizona, and was wit witnessed by people looking at the Hale-Bopp Comet. It happened in Mar on March 13, 1997. And so all of my friends in my, this community 
many of them were like calling each other and they all went out to see it and I didn't see it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they all went into UFO research and they became, you know, really leading UFO uh, researchers like people like Lindsay Ty, Jim Delatoso, you know, many, many people out of that community in Phoenix. And I, when, when that happened, I, I knew at that point, well, this is just one more obvious um, sign that if you don't belong in that field, you belong in the exoconsciousness field. You belong in the field of consciousness. You belong in the field of um, experience and subjectivity. Well, the intention and the power of the spoken and written word are, are something that I think perhaps the average person does not pay close enough attention to and needs to really consider in a new way because both thought and word are extremely powerful as we create our lives and our futures. Oh, writing is, um, you know, it's, it's an art. It's an art form. It's, um, it's, it's discipline. It's sitting down. It's, it's, it's uh, living in your waking life and in your dream life with this book that you're, you know, this piece of art, this book that you're bringing into, into being. So I, I'm so excited about all the self-publishing opportunities now because, you know, it's not about, you know, who's a celebrity or, you know, who's going to make the most money for the publishing companies now. It's really about um, each, each individual on their quest to, um, to bring forward a facet of their life that they want to move deeply into uh, living and writing about and sharing with other people. So that's, You're that's so right. You're so right. And now you're you're working on your third book, right? My second book was um, uh, how how exoconscious humans guide our spacefaring future. So I just it's a it's a it's just it's a small book. I, I looked um, looked at the role of um, we exoconscious humans in the in the space sector of the economy, literally, <laughs> and and why we belong there and and how we're necessary. And then my third book is um, and then I wrote a chapter for Beyond UFOs with the Free Group, um, their book on the science of consciousness. I analyzed their um, their survey of almost five thousand people that they did over five years. And then my third book is called uh, The Exoconscious Human, Claiming Your Psychic Intelligence in a Transhuman World. So that's, that's been an exciting... <laughs> quite a... Uh, <laughs> that's quite a title. I think you've covered everything there. <laughs> right. It's just, what an I, interesting I, I, time for us to be alive, huh? Well, what an interesting time for us to be alive as, you know, you, I really feel as I did this, this, as I'm working on this book and I'm kind of wrapping up the last chapters, I, I, be, be honest with you, I've been working on this book since probably 2016. I just researching and living with it and I couldn't write it for the longest time. I just, I couldn't write it because it was just, it was too harrowing. Just everything I read, I was like, oh, my golly, this can't be true. And, you know, then something else would roll in. And then I started putting together the different layers that, that integrated with each other on the, in transhumanism. And that was kind of an astounding um, infrastructure 
<laughs> discovery of how everything isn't separate in that world, but it's it's uh, it's intimate, re- intimately related, and the the extent of data sharing and the extent of how it's connected to us as humans, and and so that was another point. It's almost like I had to wade through these like almost like tsunamis of information and data and come out the other side and feel like, okay, so what does this mean for us as exoconscious humans? And now that I'm on the other side and almost finished with it, I I have um, a very, it strengthened my whole heart and, and spirit muscle about how important psychic intelligence is, how important it is for us to, you know, use those abilities of, of ESP and intuition and telekinesis and, and um, being able to, to understand and know the future and, um, and, and, and how that is really going to guide us and, and the whole role of nature in all of this. I mean, you know, technocracy has been around since probably the 1880s in terms of a formal philosophy or a, an economic structure. But, I mean, nature's been along, around a lot longer than that, including right. humans. So, so it's, uh, you know, this is just another, um, another sticky wicket that, that we're, that, that we're that we're putting ourselves in, quite frankly, is is how I've come to see it, and and it's it's like when you're in a relationship. I think writing a book is like being in a relationship. It's it's when you're in a relationship that this is mirroring you, like your your partner mirrors things back to you that you need to see to yourself of yourself. You may think, oh, that's my partner doing that, but that's you seeing yourself in your partner. Oftentimes, also, so I think a book, this a similar kind of uh, relationship dynamic where things I was seeing about transhumanism were also things in myself that I wanted to see and I needed to see in order to strengthen my um, exoconsciousness, in order to strengthen my my psychic intelligence. Well, do you feel that um, that? these latent gifts which are in in man because you know a small percentage of the population actually uses them on a regular basis do you think the fact that we're not exercising that muscle is just ushering in transhumanism more quickly is it of a, a form of acquiescence um that we have parts of ourselves shut down? I think to an extent, but I think that it's also, um, there's also uh, another, I, I think that there is an individual layer where people, it's easier just to default to living your life on social media or just default to, you know, allowing Google or whoever to kind of rule your life and create your reality but i think on a on a on a deeper level that we're also there's there's also an evolutionary aspect to all of this happening and um you know some people in the mystery schools call, called it armon that there would be these armonic forces that that would come in and we'd be dominated by this machine like intelligence and um you know, 100 years ago, mystery schools were talking about this, and that's exactly what's happened. You know, Rudolf Steiner wrote books about 
how this was going to happen to us, and now it's happening. So I think there's also um, waves of evolution in in humankind, in in humans, uh, that's causing this to also happen. And I think the whole movement into space. Um, one of the um, writing my book. I, I began to see that each so each chapter I examine an exoconscious aspect, for example, of consciousness, and then I examine um, a transhuman aspect of consciousness, and then at the end I do uh, a whole a, a section on uh, common ground, because I feel like um, even even if you're completely living in your psychic abilities and your exoconscious abilities, we're not really at that point where that tipping point where we can say that that's where I'm living 100%. I mean, we still not need our computers. You, you and I need a way to communicate to each other from, you know, where we're geographically living, you know, or to, or to connect to the world. So I think that it's not about you know, demonizing transhumanism, but it's about looking at how it's different. It's a different path. It's This is where transhumanism is taking you. Is that where you want to go? This is where exoconsciousness is taking you. Is this where you want to go? And then also seeing that there are places where the two paths also intersect. Right. Well, perhaps um, it'll be interesting to see if the grid ever does go down, whether humans will be forced to develop their um, psychic skills, even in terms of communicating with the people in our lives. I mean, we've all had the experiences of thinking of someone and the phone rings and there they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if if there is some sort of, Corona mass ejection where Mm -hmm. everything, you know, goes off the grid, uh, perhaps that will force us to turn inwards in a way that will, in fact, expand our consciousness. Yeah, I I agree with that. And I think that transhumanism is forcing us to do that. Those those who have chosen to wake up to... um, you know, what's really happening, what's really occurring in the different layers of of the reality that has been created in secret, you know, for the last 50 years or more um, that um, that needs to be looked at now. So, yeah, I think that, um, I think that to me woke up in me my need to trust myself even more. I mean, I'm, I'm a therapist, so, and I... I I do therapy very intensely with my clients. I, I do two-hour sessions, so you really get to know somebody. <laughs> and yeah, um, I bet. Yeah, I, I, it's just a modality that I found that works the best. And I notice now I'm to the point now that if if a client, like for example, I went into work the other day and and the assistant said, oh, you know, so-and-so's coming in to see you tonight. And I said, oh, yeah, I knew she was coming. She went to me, she goes, how'd you, how'd you know she was coming? And I said, I don't know. I just knew yesterday that she was probably going to come today. <laughs> you know, you just get in that kind of frequency, uh, shared frequency with each other. And, and you know when somebody's ready to reach out to you and, or you're ready to reach out to them. I mean, it's, right. you, know, you could call it Rupert Sheldrake's morphogenic field. I, I, 
I think that it's something, I, I think that one of the most exciting parts of exoconsciousness or being an exoconscious human is that, you know, together as a community, we're going to be able to go out and, and spend time and energy exploring, you know, what is this field of consciousness? Because exoconsciousness has always maintained that it's, um, it's consciousness beyond the brain. So anytime you do transhuman research, you're always encapsulated within the brain, within the biological body, which, of course, they're now turning into a synthetic biological uh, body. And, um, and yet we know, because of our psychic intelligence, that there's a field with, with which we interact that has, you know, beings and information and Akashic records and, and uh, you know, just this plethora of, um, of, of, in- of energy that we can read and, and we can access. So um, I, I think what transhumanism is going to actually do is prove itself to be self-limiting <laughs> because uh-huh. it, is, it is so brain-intensive. And and it is such a cybernetic feedback loop, brain intensive uh, project. I mean, it's just the way it's been. I think quantum computers are kind of trying to break out of that and you know move more into um, you know a wider expanse. But even then, that's just a wider expanse of data. You know, they talk about oh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna deal with the entanglement theory and this that. And but you know, when you really look at what they're doing, it's just it's just more and more data. <laughs> all it is. It's right. another it's true. closed loop of data. So I think, you know, that's going to give a window of opportunity for exoconscious humans to say, okay, what is this field? You know, what, 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 and, and scientifically, you know, scientists and researchers that are interested in going out into this, like Rupert Sheldrake did, and say, you know, how, what, what is this? What's this mean? And you know, it, it it involves all forms of consciousness, including life after death. I think it's going to put humans on a uh, on a completely different level with um, um, with dying, with the formation, how they formed their soul, with um, death itself. Um, so I, I think that we're we're looking at um, radical shifts in how we as humans see ourselves because of this field of consciousness. I agree. Um, Tell us about the uh, Institute for Exoconsciousness and how it factors into all of these areas of exploration. Back in around 2016 or so, I... uh, I, I had been working with Dr. Edgar Mitchell in Washington, D.C. Um, with his Quantrep group. We were researching and um, doing applications for um, zero-point energy that also included research into um, the extraterrestrial presence and consciousness. So I had worked with him and, you know, been involved in some really exciting things there. And then uh, he, he had passed away, and I just spent some time thinking, you know, now what? You know, what's... What am I going to do next? And I, I just felt a, a big pull toward um, forming an organization that would be a post-disclosure organization. By that, I mean that it wouldn't be um, so um, involved with, you know, 
what did the government know and when did they know it and what did the Navy pilots know and when did they know it and, you know, kind of running around at, trying to get intelligence to uh, tell you the truth. I mean, that's a... That's another show in and of itself. <laughs> so right, I, that's I not going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> no, don't hold your breath. <laughs> so I, so I felt like, okay, look, you know, what in my life had I seen? And two, I had seen two, two significant things in my life around experiencers. Number one, with Dr. Ruth Hover and her experiencer group, that was a very small group. I don't know, fifteen, maybe twenty people at the most. And out of that little group, there were like. You know, almost 11 books, I think 11 books that were published. There were um, medical inventions that were, that were created. I mean, people were just doing this amazing work. And I was really stunned when I looked at what a small group of people. And we didn't even spend time necessarily talking about that, but people just like quietly went home and started writing books and doing experiments and, and bringing, invention, bringing forth inventions. And then when I worked with Edgar, I saw that on a, 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 another level, this kind of a replication, that here we were working with scientists, but we were also working with people that would send us emails kind of like out of the blue, and they would be experiencers living kind of in the middle of nowhere, and they would come up with these brilliant um, theories about zero-point energy and how to use it, as well as um, brilliant um, inventions that they had. And they were getting that through, um, through their extraterrestrial contact. And so I thought, you know, that's it. It's, um, I, I, I think the Institute needs to be based on doing. It needs to be. So um, we are, we're an organization of builders and doers. So we're, we're co-creators. So we're taking the information that, and experiences that we receive, the upgrades and the transformations that we receive and, 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 uh, and the downloads that we receive. And we're, um, we're actually creating exoconscious um, inventions, exoconscious healing modalities, exoconscious forms of new forms of communication, and I, I knew that that's that's what I wanted the institute to be. So that's who we're supportive of. Um, it's really not an organization that um, you know goes out and kind of looks at the stars or. You know, we're not an organization of first-time experiencers. We're an organization of seasoned, mature, ongoing experiencers. I mean, people in our group have ongoing experiences. And we actually structured our institutes such that these different layers of, um, of people involved, like in the middle, are ETs and multidimensionals. So the different groups and the different individual ETs that we work with are also, you know, for our board and for our executive committee, you know, we're working one-on-one -on -one with them in moving forward this um, Institute for Exoconsciousness. So it's exciting. I mean, when I look at all of the issues to be solved, I mean, I work with a, an alternative physician. He's, a, he's an MD who became an alternative position here in Scottsdale, Arizona. And when I look at it, just all of the health problems and all of the health issues that are coming up now in terms of, you know, um, electromagnetics or particles in the air or um, Morgellons or um, chemtrails or vaccines, 
just health, just that one sector of health alone, I mean, the number of inventions that exoconscious entrepreneurs could bring forth would just be uh, radically important, not to mention going into um, the water supply, you know, how do, we, how do we clean up the water? I think all of these planetary environmental issues are certainly um, exoconscious inventors are going to be addressing those, as well as space travel, inventions in terms of space and space travel. Exactly. Um, when you say that you that ETs are at the cent- center of of the institute, what do you mean exactly? Well, that everybody who serves on the board. So, just starting with the board of advisors. So, everyone that serves on the board of advisors is is expected to. Um, to be responsive and in a form of communication and contact ongoing with their ETs and multidimensionals and to bring that forward as, as they work with the Institute. So it's not just about you know, laying out this, you know, a business plan or it's, it's not just you know, having an agenda, but it's that, that this is a shared agenda. This is... Um, an agenda between humans and ETs and multidimensionals. When, when we look at that co-creative relationship, it's a very different relationship than, say, um, uh, religion. So religion, it's, um, you know, they, be, they were the gods and we were the, the people here on earth that worshiped the gods and the gods told us what to do and, you know, they're, there grew out of that then a you know a body of discipline and dogma, tradition, oftentimes texts, but um, you know all that was codified then and that stopped the 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 canon was stopped and put in place, and all religions kind of have that there's the codification kind of in. So what we're saying is that it's not. It's a peer-to-peer relationship. So my peer-to-peer relationship with extraterrestrials is an ongoing um, open platform, open-ended open platform that um, is going to move us on a trajectory into um, in, in, into the future. That wasn't possible, um, quite frankly, with religion. Um, that's 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 well i don't necessarily think they're mutually exclusive but they're um, not yeah they're not because much of religion i mean uh there was a book written by the woman who chairs the philosophy philosophy of religion department at um north carolina university of north carolina in um wilmington and she she wrote a book called american cosmic and what she does is she goes through a lot of different religious um, events and witnessing, like um, Fatima and that sort of thing, and says, you know, these were re- these were religious experiences, but they were also, when looked at, are pretty obviously there's a great similarity between those experiences and UFO extraterrestrial experiences. I think I, I, I think well, I as you know, I come from a religious background. I think that. Um, that religion will more and more gravitate to the field of exoconsciousness and see it as um, see it as a field where they can learn and expand um, their doctrine 
and, and their texts and the information that they're that they're sharing. And um, I mean, extraterrestrials experiencers have always come from a witness standpoint. So if you look at the Bible, if you took all the witness testimony out of the Bible, well, Old Testament and New Testament, there wouldn't be any. <laughs> it's all witness testimony. <laughs> so we're both coming from the same place. So yeah, you're right. It's not mutually exclusive. Well, I also think I also think there are some truly um, huge inherent problems in everything that we're experiencing at this moment in time with the expansive expansion of consciousness. And my personal opinion is that it's not just about exo consciousness, but it's about all consciousness. And there are, as Rudolf, you mentioned Rudolf Steiner, as Rudolf Steiner writes about extensively, you know, there's, there are kingdoms, there's the angelic realm, um, the, you know, the divic and elemental realm, the animal kingdom. We're surrounded by consciousness in a myriad of, of forms. And um, to my thinking, our role is to uh, be open to communicating with all of them. Um, ETs are just one part of that. And from from my experience, I've seen so many people that I am convinced have no idea of who they're connecting to when they're, you know, making connections. Um, they're just, you know, beginning this process and um, have not learned discernment to the degree that needs to happen in order to to be grounded and bring the information in um, in a really helpful way. I totally agree with that. I mean, really, what we're talking about is a conscious universe that's seeing seeing the world not as a machine, but as even though the world does act like a machine at points, but seeing the world as a as a conscious universe. And I I totally agree with you. Some people don't have any idea who they're who they're communicating with. That's why we spend a lot of time in the institute talking about you. Have, this is an experience you have to mature into, and and by that you know any kind of maturity includes making mistakes and taking the wrong path and having self correction and and always being open to learn and to you know accept feedback. So oh absolutely, but there has to be. I, I think that that. Um, the one thing that the institute does represent is that there it is possible to hold yourself to a standard of trying to be mature and trying to integrate and ground through this experience with extraterrestrials and multidimensionals, which also includes, of course, the angelic realm. And for many people, it also includes the diva realm. That's why we use the word um, extraterrestrials and, even, and the plant world also. So I think that um, those are all multidimensional worlds or just energetic forms that people, people deal with. So, yeah, I mean, this is just one segment of, of what we're, you know, trying to express. But it did... Historically, it grew out of um, people who had ET experience and then broadened into you know, people that had multidimensional experience. But that maturing process, there's not, I mean, other than religion and 
Um, there's not a lot, which is a different path. You know, it's more of a communitarian path. Religion is more if you go with your church, you go with your community. There's not a lot of individual um, guidelines and guidebooks for how people mature into this. And that's one of the things that that we want to do at the Institute because that involves morality. That involves having a personal set of ethics. That involves... Um, you know, stretching yourself to be a sovereign individual with, you know, compassion and holding others in compassion and respect. You know, you really start to hold yourself to a higher standard, I think, when you when you go into this. And it's and it's and and humility for sure is part of of what this institute is about. Right. You understand that um the universe is far greater than just you or I. Or each other. I mean, just the, yeah. I, I think that whole you get into that anytime you go to as, as above, so below, or you're the, the the microcosm of yourself in in relationship to the macrocosm of the universe. It's just it's a very humbling humbling experience. And and um, we can go back to your comment about writing books and the, using your words and using your language and using your symbolism. It, even when you connect to those systems, that that is even more humbling. <laughs> when you, when you when we start to look at that, or the history of art and how that how that was expressed. Yeah, there's so much. There are so many different levels. I just um, I just I just feel that the focus on ETs and you know ETs coming to save us. Right. which many people seem to think is going to happen, um, keeps us from opening up our own centers of being where we can interpret art and in, in work with nature, you know, allow so many other um, possibilities to enter right. into our, our lives. Um, and um, we have we just have to be careful because the ETs are not going to come and save us. <laughs> well, that's why you know we really um, use that word co-creation because um, if you're a co-creator, then you're not looking for a savior. You're looking for uh, a peer relationship. You're looking and and really even when we say that, we're saying you know we're looking for how do we move out into that field of consciousness, whether it's with plants or animals. You know how 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 do we move out into that? to that field of consciousness and begin to, I mean, I think we're just at the cusp of doing this because, um, you know, 20 years ago, religion was still hugely dominant in, in any kind of thinking about this. So I think we're just at the, we're just in those very initial steps as humans of knowing what all this is going to mean for us. And, you know, thinking, and there's that question, you know, are we humans capable of this? And I would answer absolutely. And um, I agree with you. It's got to be done cautiously. It's got to be done with um, with awareness. It has to be done uh, with an, a, an, a gradual awakening. And and certainly it has to be done in a in a gentle, um, nurturing manner, and not by you know trauma and fear and that sort of thing. Well, we have so much of that 
um, on television and in the movies, our entertainment industry is overrun with uh, fear and and fear of the unknown and certainly fear of uh, ETs. Oh, oh yeah, that's all. Yeah, that was all manufactured. Sure, absolutely. And I think we're in that this interesting place. Um, right now, especially when you look at mainstream ufology and, you know, Tom DeLonge and To the Stars Initiative and the CIA and Luis Elizondo and, you know, these, you know, CIA, Pentagon, you know, people all of a sudden are going to be our guides into into ufology. And it's just, um, you know, I, I, I've been in that field. I've been in that field professionally for over 20 years, and, and I know many of the people in that field. And um, I, I, uh, I'll just tell a quick, quick story that kind of shows sort of where I am with all this. I was, at a, I was outside Philadelphia speaking at a conference, and um, I, it was a UFO conference, so there were a lot of people, MUFON people, UFO-type people. And so I had been presented about exoconscious humans, and I talked a little bit about the intelligence community, and I, I looked out in the audience and I said, who out here believes that the government and intelligence and the military know things about UFOs and extraterrestrials that you don't know, thinking that no one would raise their hand, <laughs> and everyone raised their hand. Yeah, I would have so, thought the entire audience would raise their hand. So the entire audience raised their hand. Okay, I'm naive. I mean, I thought, <laughs> wow, you know, don't you? And, and, and that's sort of back to that whole, the, 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 the viewpoint of exoconsciousness is, sure, you know, you can read all these books and do all this research, but it all really comes down to, you know, this vortex of awareness inside you. And I think that, there there comes a time that, you know, when you're studying consciousness or UFOs or extraterrestrials or, you know, plant consciousness or whatever, that, that, that there's a kind of a collapse that happens and you still refer back to it, but inside of you, you hold a knowing that there may be some things or tweaks that you maybe didn't know, but other than that, like, like you embody this information and you know it. Right. And I was just, I was stunned that I, I think I was kind of expecting many more people to be at that place, especially because it was an older audience and many of them had been in ufology for decades, you know, for maybe 40 years, some of them. I think there's a big difference, though, between traditional ufology and people who are focused on consciousness. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think the more That's traditional fair. the more traditional ufologists are interested in the phenomenon as opposed mm-hmm. to the experience. And exoconsciousness, it's very much. I mean, it very much identifies as a subjective experience. I mean, I have people come up to me at these conferences and say, "Oh my golly!" Especially UFO. You know, I've been sitting in my backyard for ten years. Nothing ever happens. You know, I want to see a UFO. And I just, I look at them and say, "Well, what about what's inside of you? You know, which is maybe you need to turn your perspective around a little bit." 
But it's that's how it, this has been. Um, it's like you know, like when we grew up, you know. I know your your childhood faith. I think you were a Catholic, and I was Protestant. I mean, you know, we all were we all were given an objective, you know, we were given an objective God, <laughs> and you know, outside of ourselves. That's you know, step number one. And uh, ufology still there. They're looking for that UFO outside of themselves. <laughs> right. Yeah. Except. I- I was raised Catholic, but um, but from the time I was, I don't know, three, four, I mm-hmm. was able to communicate with animals and mm-hmm. always knew how psychic I was. So, uh-huh. you know, there were lots of other things going on. Um, yeah. Well, you're a childhood experiencer, you know, a childhood psychic experiencer. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, I never quite... Um, you know, bought into the whole organized religion thing. And certainly I have a very difficult time with all the, the pedophiles, um, the pedophilia in the Catholic church, um, which my family, fortunately, my brothers were not um, impacted by that. But, uh, you know, I know a number of priests who, who were uh, involved in child molestation and, Friends of ours growing up who were alter, also altar boys were molested. So um, you realize just how close to home it all is, not just with the Catholic Church, but oh, not just the no, in many no. walks of life. Right. Yeah. But there is, I you know, I agree with you. There's a there's a very strong cord between religion and consciousness. Well, you know, if you think back, I mean, that's one of the things Edgar Mitchell used to say. He used to say, uh, you know, 400 years ago when um, when science was created and, you know, the age, age of reason and science took all of ob- objective research and, you know, geography and biology and all the sciences, you know, sociology and and uh, consciousness was left to religion. Religion kept consciousness. <laughs> they didn't do anything right. with it for 400 years is what I say. <laughs> right. what, what do they do with it for 400 years? They haven't done anything with it. So it's like, um, it's just interesting that now I think that there is, um, that there is, a, there is a push within religion to say, you know, what about these witness reports? What about consciousness? What about, you know, God is this, this field of consciousness? And I think it's going to, I actually think it's going to change religion in a, in a, very, in a very positive way. Um, that's, it could, that's my for hope. sure. That's my hope. What do you what do you think about um these witness reports these you know traditional um classic UFO witness reports and abduction reports what's your take on all of that Well I I you know that was one of those points where I was um kind of solidified my my uh, perspective of that when I, I worked with that Edgar Mitchell's um, that the Free Foundation that um, Ray Hernandez does, the survey that they did. They did a five year survey of like five thousand people in a hundred countries. And at the at the end as I, I wrote a chapter in their book and as I examined their information I, I came to see that um 
you know, 80 to 90% of them did not have an abduction experience. <laughs> that they they were open and wanting more of them and that they felt like it was a it, it was a kind experience. It wasn't it wasn't it wasn't not an abusive experience. So I, I looked at that number and I thought, you know, oh my goodness, you know, what's happened here? You know, are, have, with all this abduction literature that, you know, of course I've read, you've read, you know, we've all seen the cartoons and the, the movies. So, you know, you look at all this abduction literature and then we say, you know, where did that come from? Did that come from the government? Did that come from, you know, military abduction programs? Did that come from, you know, it, feeding people to different uh, psychologists, you know, Bud Hopkins and the early people like Bud Hopkins and John Mack, you know, people that were, you know, fed into these programs. Like where where did they come from and, you know, why all this abuse that happened and you know it's it was a very you know it's kind of like the cattle abduction thing I mean it's very like human abduction cattle cattle mutilation yeah cattle mutilation and I just I just I've always felt that that was never my experience like I said I'm a childhood experience that was that was never my experience I mean it was always it was it confusing sometimes absolutely was it abusive no never and I, I just feel like some people do, you know, hold that energy of, you know, I was abused and it was the worst thing that's ever happened to me in my life and I'll never recover again. Or some people felt that it was abusive and, and like with John Mack's work, moved, moved beyond that to, uh, to kind of a spiritual transformation in the midst of all that. So um, it just, it makes me wonder. And sometimes high profile People that I've met that were experiencers and they've gone on and on about all these things that have happened and abductions that, you know, it comes, you know, when you find out where they come from, they came from military families. You know, they were put in programs. And I just, I think that's that interesting. That's a very interesting correlation. Yeah. And I think a lot of that's gone on. A lot of it was my, a lot of those were mind control programs. I mean, just think how, how pervasive mind control programs are and, you know, creating different altars in their minds and, you know, giving, giving them that experience. I mean, that was, uh, that was rampant. <laughs> now they don't have to have mind control programs anymore. They just, you know, spray a game trail or run a CERN, run a CERN, uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, <laughs> experiment, <laughs> change our mind, <laughs> change our minds. <laughs> right. So it says maybe that was all part of that that era of of mind control. I I, I don't know. Possibly makes sense. It's it's hard because to know. They're all are gone, so we don't really know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard to know. Um, the extent of of all of that and and the rampant drug use, of course. Um, oh, the drug experiments. Oh, played into all my of graduate that. school. Tim, Timothy Leary left Harvard, came over to my graduate school, and uh, in the sixties, and they, they they were doing they were like dropping acid on Good Friday. <laughs> mhm. Mhm. I mean, it was just it was pervasive in that in the academic community. And in yeah. intelligence, I mean, they were all working for intelligence and government, so it was one and the same. But just very interesting. And you know, I you know, I, I work with clients that have had you know repercussions from LSD and different you know 
different psychic drugs and um, it's a different, they have a very different um, experience um, as they move into, um, into communication. You know, it's not yeah, I would, in something that happens naturally in their body or with their mind right. and their spirit. Yeah. I would assume it would be distorted in, in some way. You know, I don't know if there would be distor- yeah, there would be distor- some. It's not grounded. It's not grounded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's very hard. You know, the clients I worked with, it's very hard to get grounded. Then when that happens, because it's such a, it's such an intense um, brain, chemical brain interface that um, you know putting all the pieces together and and. Um, and weaving that into something understandable in your life that you can be grounded and integrated with takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, here we are at the start of 2020, um, a new decade, and I'm curious to know from your perspective where you see the evolved human or exoconscious human moving into uh, this time period? I think that there will be segments of humans that that will gather together and find some kind of community where they can not only express but also live out their awareness of um, this multidimensional aspect of consciousness, multidimensional beings, extraterrestrials, angels, divas, that um, this is, uh, you know, it's a funny, there's a funny thing happening because I think, I feel like, um, I don't know, I kind of like to see what you think about this too. I think for many years that um, many of us separated from religion and um, as a kind of a communal communal hierarchical structure a dogmatic structure and we moved into spirituality as a, a very independent um, exploration independent excursion into our own awakening into our own um, spiritual kind of getting to know our spiritual self through different you know some people you know like we talk about extraterrestrials it could be you know, divas, angelic, but, you know, reading reading into the literature of that, of spirituality. And now I feel like we are um, kind of another turn in the cycle, almost, turn of the wheel, that we're going to move back into these kind of smaller, more intimate groups of of, um, coalescing the knowledge that each of us has brought into um, more of a community of learning and um, working together. So it kind of went from community to individuality back to another form of community. That's that's where I see it going because I think um, we're going to be moving, especially due to transhumanism, uh, that that's going to cause in all of this whole um, 
kind of um, virtual reality that's just being created. You know, there's like the sentient world simulation that's got an avatar of everyone. And I don't know, at one point it was 62 countries. I don't know how many countries it is now. But um, that, you know, moving into this virtual reality that we're all being shoved into and finding that we don't want to live there. We don't want to live in that virtual reality. And so where do we want to live? And I think that we'll find that find that place in small groups, and it won't be via a savior. It will be via ourselves and our own um, our own strengths of of what we've come through. That's what I see happening. What do you think? I I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I I um, as you know, since you participated in the first one and are coming back uh, in this coming July to uh, present at the third little conference that I've organized. Um, having been an experiencer uh, two years ago, I, I began to organize these little gatherings uh, once a year of a speaker, a very small group of attendees, no more than 35 with uh, six to ten speakers, and um, to, to really get to know other people who have shared interests and experiences, and to basically, you know, find uh, members of the same tribe just to pass on information. And the interesting thing that I've found through both of the last two conferences and connecting with attendees is um, what happens when a group of like-minded people come together in this way and the energy that is shared and how transformative that is uh, and has been for the people who've come, who then have gone back and into return to their lives in various parts of the country and, and internationally. And within, in some cases, days, their lives have been changed uh, in very profound ways. So I know that change is possible uh, in a very direct way. And that when working together energetically in this kind of way, in fact, what we're doing is freeing each other um, psychically, spiritually, intellectually, emotionally. And it's been fascinating to see um, and very rewarding to see. Yeah, I think we're at the same place. I think we're seeing the same the same type thing because I think once you once you've gone on that um, I mean, whether it's you know the Odyssey or the Iliad or whatever, you know we always have this you know hero figure that strikes out on their own and finds out their own wisdom. But and I think many that's been a dominant archetype for you know for decades now. But I think now we're coming, and then they go home. And um, I think uh, I think that this you know, going home in a different way and going home to a community is uh, is what we're going to be seeing more and more of. And, you know, 
I admire what you do at your conferences, and that it, because that accomplishes with the people what something that is not necessarily a person is not able to, to accomplish on their own as an individual. Um, that same transformation. That's, I think it's different. that's true to some extent, but but you know their individual seeking has what has gotten them to the conference in the first yes. place. So. It is part of a journey, you know, it is part of an odyssey and um and then going back and sharing it is it's like making a painting and hanging it, you know, for the viewer. It's mm-hmm. it's it's all part of um mm-hmm. you know, that end result of sharing what you've made or what you've learned or where you've been. Yeah, the doing. And, it's the doing. Yeah. These, that's 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 what the institute is. It's communities of doing and it's not just about sitting around and, you know, oh, I want to go back to that same experience, so, you know, I'll drop my microdose of acid again. It's really about, you know, taking that experience, integrating it, living with it in a community of colleagues and people that, that, that you um, have affinity with and creating something with it, doing something with it. Exactly. Exactly. Move, it's something almost, it's, it's, constructive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And it's also, I kind of talk about, you know, exoconsciousness is really moving beyond the event. <laughs> you know, the event was one thing or, you know, the series of events could be another thing. And I think that you, you know, you definitely move beyond that. And what you move beyond to is like what you were talking about, this, this life where you have this seamless um, ability to move dimensionally. And I think also, you know, Going back to your question about what do I see in 2020, I think that we're going to see uh, humans that have adapted because we're an adaptive species. You know, we need to always remember that. And we are creating structures and transhuman structures that and technocratic structures that we are all going to have to adapt to. And I think that one of our adaptive abilities is going to be, sure, you know, I can go on social media or I could go on the internet or, you know, I can do a Google search or, you know, I can have my bank account or my doctor's files uploaded to a satellite and I can live in that world and that transhuman world, that technocratic world, and I can also live in a spiritual world. I can also live in a world of the field of consciousness. I can also live in a world where I, I'm using my psychic intelligence and connecting with different layers of consciousness. So I think that um, the adaption that humans are going to be doing out of this transhuman era or world is going to be... Um, something that we haven't even dreamed possible. I think it's going to strengthen humans in ways that, that, um, that we've really never seen in, in the evolution of the human race. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think, I think we truly are on the verge of a brave new frontier. Um, and it's going to, it's going to be a, it's going to be a real, raw, you know, rocky ride at least initially, and we we better buckle our seatbelts. And I, I think I think you know probably transhumanists and you know technocrats they see that too. 
you know, they, 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 they feel like that's what they're doing too, that, you know, this, the, the coding is, or these, you know, computers are going to take us or, you know, satellite array above the earth is going to take us to this other new world that they're all going to be living in. And, you know, people, people will, like, it's back to Steiner again. Like Steiner said, people are going to choose to live in that realm. They're going to live in that realm and they're going to see that realm as their brave new world. As their, right. you know, transformation. I'm just saying for exoconsciousness and for the Institute of Exoconsciousness, we see, and like as you and I think I agree that, you know, it's really into our brave new world is consciousness. Yeah, so I, absolutely. That, that's, that that's, that's where our challenge lies, I believe, going within and, mm-hmm. and claiming, you know, our true, our true selves. Mm-hmm. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much. This has been a fascinating conversation, and I look forward to having you back. How will people be able to get in touch with you? Well, my website is exoconsciousness.com. I also have a newsletter that we send out for the Institute every every month or two. So um, if you want to subscribe to the newsletter, it's uh, the uh, past archives of newsletters is at my blog, which is just RebeccaHardcastleWright.com. But um, from ExoConsciousness.com, you can email me, and um, or my emails are HardcastleWright at Gmail.com. If you want to just directly email me, and um, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to have your listeners join our community, and I will see if your listeners are coming to the um, Contact and Consciousness. Uh, conference i'll see them there (laughs) wonderful it's a fantastic newsletter everyone so do get in touch with rebecca and and sign up for it i look forward to it you know every month or or so when it arrives in my mailbox it's always chock full of all kinds of interesting people and articles and information so do you have any other um upcoming events planned before the conference in July that you'd like to share? Before July. Oh, yeah, there's an – I do. I, there's an, um, I'm not sure when this is going to be broadcast, but this weekend is an Aliens Revealed online summit that um, a, colleague, a colleague of mine put together that's, that's very well done. It's a free online summit of people talking about different aspects of ufology and, exo, and exoconsciousness and exopolitics. And um, also, I'm participating in a Spirit Fest in uh, Eagleville, Colorado, in October. So, and also every year, I try to make uh, Lynn Kitai's uh, Phoenix Lights. Uh, show, uh-huh. She shows her Phoenix Lights movie at uh, Cinema here in Scottsdale, and it's always sold out. <laughs> it must be phenomenal to go yeah, um, it's so and, fun. and celebrate the Phoenix Lights. Yeah, and, and you would think year after year that like the, car, the crowds would get smaller. The crowds just get bigger. It's so it's such an exciting <laughs> thing. Great. She's done such a beautiful job of you know just archiving and 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 holding that that whole history of 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 uh, that Phoenix Lights event for this for this community. So that's going to be in February. So that's also going to be in the newsletter. So. So sign up for the newsletter, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Rebecca. You're welcome, Mia. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye-bye.